listening to episode 262 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with the Netflix series Dark. And we're doing a morning recording this time, 11 o'clock, so not too bad. Right, not too bad. Still got to get my, uh, my power sleep last night. Well, before we it, go back to school and then that all ends. Yeah. And, and I've been staying up later than I ordinarily like to, but of course it's television related. So I, I guess at the end so of the okay. day, that's all right. And, and, you know, since we've got so much dark to talk about, let me just jump right into my tip of the week. And it's a show you and I've talked about a number of times, and I am pretty sure you still haven't watched it yet. And, and I understand your reasoning and that's broad church. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I saw the season one. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, of the, the British version. They did the American uh, one, too, didn't they? Uh, you know what? I think you're right, and I have no interest in that. Uh, right. Now, now I had only seen season one and have been trying to sell my wife on it for several years, and I guess as we've pretty much powered through all these British uh, detective series on Netflix, finally I got her to give... Uh, Broadchurch a chance and and of course she really likes David Tennant and, and the first thing she asks is like was he going to be evil because of course she's coming <laughs> right. off Jessica Jones sure, sure. and uh, even well, though you gotta seen, show her Doctor Who then well she's seen you know she watches Doctor Who sort of tangentially whenever I'm watching it and, and every time she watches it she loves it so she's right. seen more Matt Smith but uh She's really a Peter Capaldi fan, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, un- unfortunately for David Tennant, his two like most probably most prominent roles, besides Doctor Who, but like his cinema roles, well, it's actually not, this big cinematic role was the bad guy in the fourth Harry Potter movie, and uh, and then um, you know the super evil guy on Jessica Jones, which of course was very popular as well. So. Uh, so yeah, I, I get why uh, you know people might see him as a villain, even though he was Doctor Who. He's super awesome. Well, not to mention uh, Dean Devlin, his most recent movie, Bad Samaritan, features David Tennant, and I believe he's evil. I mean, certainly all the promo material I've seen uh, makes him appear as if he's the bad guy. So mm. I haven't seen it, probably won't. But anyway, back to Broadchurch. It's a detective mystery uh, young boys found dead on the beach and through the eight episodes of season one they're investigating trying to you know learn who the killer is david tennant is the lead detective and he's been placed on this case and in this position despite the fact that uh, his previous murder case did not result in a conviction because of lost evidence mistakes he made and of course we learn the truth around that as well at the end of the season but what none of us who watched it back then knew at the time is that the mother uh, of the child who's killed is of mm-hmm. course Jodie Whittaker who is right. the new doctor yeah yeah who 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 didn't who the thunk yep arthur darby but maybe on the uh, set of broadchurch you know he she got some pointers from david tennant and uh she was able to nail it at the uh, audition well of course chris chibnall who wrote and created Broadchurch is now the showrunner for Doctor Who. So I'm certain he had a hand in bringing her on board. But Arthur Darville, who played uh, Rory, uh, one of the companions during the Matt Smith era, 
is also in Broadchurch. So there are three seasons. My wife and I are going to get started with season two, which I have not seen yet and looking forward to it. So what do you got? Uh, I have the season finale of The 100, which uh, once you think they've gone as far as they can in coming up with ludicrous new plot points, they just knock one straight out of the park. OMG, you are not kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I use ludicrous like in a loving fashion for sure because I do like the hundred a lot. But uh, yeah, I mean, well, I just if, if you watch it, you've seen it. If you don't watch it, you don't care. But they, um, you know, after the end when they all is resolved from the previous season's conflict, I use resolved in air quotes here. Um, you know, they, uh, everyone is forced to stay in uh, like a slumber for what, 150 years, right? Yeah. So, uh, so they took a pretty crazy time jump before where they went ahead, like what, like 10 years was it? Six years, I think. Six years. Right. And you know, no one's aged a day, obviously, uh, except for the kid. And, and so now they, they said, you know, let's, let's push this a little further and uh, jump ahead 150 years. So, And a new planet, right? Because they're not at Earth anymore. That's correct. Um, so they're going to go and, and completely F up another planet. So, uh, you know, well, like really this group might want to think, you know, probably the best thing for the universe in general is for this whole ship to just get blown up or hit by a meteor or something like that, you know? Yeah, but according to them, this is what's left of the human race. So there is that. And and one of the questions I always had throughout the the run of the hundred is you're in this one really small area of the East Coast. How do you know that right. there aren't pockets of yeah. you know, civilization out there? And and even at the end of this season, they still felt as if they were it, the earth isn't uninhabitable and I'm thinking, well, how do you really know that? So regardless it's America, man. I know, but but you that, know, I that's think all the there is. <laughs> I hope the hundred does is get a little lighter. In in other words, why can't you tell a compelling story as they're trying to rebuild society and not have all of this darkness, all of this this hatred, all of this killing? Uh, and and I th- I hope they do. I doubt they will so <laughs> right. i guess we'll see yeah yeah uh, you know i don't see the the hundred turning into a light-hearted romp through as a group of plucky young kids attempt to restart the human race on a new planet you know it's like mm, more like they're going to start fighting and they're going to destroy the whole planet like they did the last one so yeah i guess we'll see so all right well if you want to let us know what you think about the hundred finale if you saw it uh, dark of course which is the current show we're covering uh you know we'd love to hear from you emails go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com you can go to the website leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab Record your own audio clip if you want and send it to us as an attachment. Tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, which virtually nobody does. Encourage you to join the Facebook group, which does seem to be uh, the avenue that most people enjoy. Facebook is popping. Yep, get into the discussions there. All right, so we got a lot to talk about. Episode 5 of Dark, entitled Truths. We have a lot by, to talk about. Yeah. Right. Written by Martin Benke and Yante Frisia, who also wrote Episode 104, Double Lives, directed, as always, by Baron Bo Odar. 
And, you know, really the first thing that struck me, my criticism last week was that the scenes didn't stay long enough for us to really get involved in that scene. And they were given a little bit more room to breathe this week. So I I liked the comfort level I felt this Mm -hmm. time. Though it starts off really bam, bam, bam. Well, not like bam, 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 like an action sequence, but a lot of images very quickly um, you know, repeated one after the other. And, uh, you know, like I had to keep pausing and rewinding and pausing and rewinding to try and figure out what uh, everything I was, I was being shown was. Right. And, you know, even though we've both seen the entire series, as, as I've said a number of times, uh, there's a lot of points that I just don't remember. And the same thing happened with Broadchurch. It wasn't until episode six of eight that I remembered who the killer was. And right. even then, I wasn't 100% sure. I I did turn out to be correct in my memory at that point. But we're given a lot of answers in this episode. And certainly we learn a lot of truths that we, you know, to this point had just hypothesized. But one of the things that I think we have to consider, Michael's death when he hangs himself, is that the catalyst for Mickle's disappearance? Right, and, and, and I'm not, and I'm not talking about in a Back to the Future way, you know, right, kill your right. grandfather and Marty right. starts fading out. I'm not talking about that. Yeah, well, also if I, I, I mean, like Mickle and Michael coexisted for 12 years or 11 Correct. years, right? Yes. So it's not like he had to kill himself because he couldn't exist in the same universe as his himself. You know, that wasn't it, um, and I have a lot more to say about that later, but we'll, get, we'll, we'll rest on that. A- and it wasn't even, like, right before Mickle disappeared. It was a couple months before, right? Yeah. So yeah. the, uh, you know, the question as to why Michael killed himself is, we, it's, at this point, it's impossible to tell, except the stranger says that it saved his life. Whatever that means. Whatever that means, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, definitely a huge, huge mystery. Um, yeah, like how, what what a note to get from your dad, <laughs> right? And and it's a a well worn letter, and we wonder is this the same letter that Enes has? Right. Oh, we assume it is, but right. That's right. Because as far as you know, Ines has the the letter now. Right. Or or does she? Did the stranger steal it? But also, as we said before, when you factor in the that time travel is a thing uh, in this in this series, and we see a Noah who looks exactly the same uh, in 1986 as he does in 2019, so. You know, it's very likely here that Mickle slash Michael is not the only person who is able to travel through time. Oh, I think that's a given that Noah is a time traveler for the right. you know, certainly for the reasons you just pointed out. Now, uh, Jonas also learns the truth about his father through the letter, and whether he believes it or not remains to be seen. But doesn't that make Martha his aunt? Yeah. Do you think that was like the first thing he thought, like? It's just like, oh, God, I just had my tongue down my aunt's throat. Oh, Lord. 
Right. Now, we've talked about the recognition factor a number of times because I'm wondering, shouldn't Hannah recognize Mickle from her childhood or is it just right. simply too long ago? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, there there are some some questions to be asked here, right? Because as certainly as Mickle became a le- – well, I guess you know, when, he, when he got to a around the point he is now which is when everyone first met him i mean he even met katarina and ulrich and he met hannah and everything so you know it seems like as you know mickle grew up his resemblance to michael's youthful self would become pretty apparent to basically everyone and so there might be some hard questions that people might be asking Katerina, right? Sure. Hey, Katerina, funny how Mickle looks almost exactly like Michael. Like, when Michael was a kid, he looked exactly like that kid, you know? Like, I, I mean, like, obviously, the, this series doesn't really address that so far, but it's it's a funny thing to kind of think about, you know? Like, didn't, did, did no one, I mean, certainly, ha- they had to. I mean, yes, it's been... Along, it's been thirty some years, right? But still, sure. like, there's probably pictures of Michael when he was young, or something like that. School pictures, or something that, you know, like, I mean, Hannah, obviously, Hannah must, because she was really, you know, became involved with him back when he was that age. So certainly, she must look at Michael and have been like, "Oh my God, my husband totally had sex with Katarina because this kid looks exactly like my husband did when he was that age." Now, yeah, and and the significance of November 4th, 1013 p.m., I mean, we don't have a year indicated. Will or has something happened at that time? Is that the night that Mickle disappears? So, yes. Okay, and that's what I thought. Now, (laughs) Short uh, answer, yes. Okay. Now, we talk about Noah being a time traveler, which I'm pretty sure is – think you believe as well is a a given. He's got really, really good facial cream. Right, but it certainly seems as if the stranger is going in and out of the cave at differing points in the narrative. So is he an active time traveler? And at this point, I would say that's probably a safe bet. I would say, well, again, I mean, I think the the note is a dead giveaway. We know Ines has the note right now, and it's crisp and fresh and new. She just opened it up recently. Uh, and and read it so and whereas the note that the stranger leaves for Jonas is worn and and old as you said distressed uh, so I'd say that I could say we could probably say with almost a hundred percent certainty that the stranger is also a time traveler okay and, and so he brings this letter and we see it in 2019 in this condition which then we take the leap that he clearly is coming from the future how far out. In the future. Well, someplace where they still have black hoodies. So. <laughs> exactly. And and uh, back. So maybe not too far. Dare we say 33 years right. ahead, maybe. Right. Because they talk about the, that cycle, right? right. In, in, in this, uh, Charlotte talks about that. So. Yeah. Now, I, the other thing I find fascinating, and I, I guess as I thought about it, um, you know, we, we've certainly talked about a lot of time travel shows over the last six years. 
and a lot of questions come up and and certainly one that that i've heard mentioned well how can 11 year old mickle and adult michael exist in the same timeline and i'm thinking like dude it's time travel yeah. <laughs> you know it, it, it's also this thing we call science fiction y- yes now, heavy on the fiction part you know like right. time travel not possible not a thing so you know really Right now, at this point, it does appear to be a closed loop, a single timeline. But but even there, we don't know anything for sure. So we'll see later. But the other thing that gets brought up. Well, and- I, I see. Well, you just said that because I just realized that if the stranger is traveling back and forth through time, uh, we just said he's from the future. But that's not necessarily so. He could have traveled into the past, into 1986, and. If he took the note with him from 2019 to the past, you, you know that's possible too. Like we, we, I guess we shouldn't assume that he's from the future. That note could have become worn through time, but that time could have occurred from 1986 to 2019, right? Oh, right. But it's still the same timeline. He's just moving, right? Back, but back he's not forth. necessarily right. He's but he's not necessarily <laughs> jumping into the future. He could be, you know, just going back and forth like. Um, like we assume Noah is between uh, you know, 1986 and 2019. Right. Now, at the station, Ulrich admits to Charlotte that he became a cop after Tideman botched the Mads investigation, and now he sees himself as the same incompetent asshole who cheats on his wife. But she then brings up the 33-year cycle and claims that the 365-day calendar is a bit off every 33 years, the universe you know, returns to the same point, position of the stars, planets, sun, calls it the lunar solar cycle, and that she feels like something's wrong with Winden and that this is the same thing happening again. I mean, certainly it's a cool theory, and apparently there is some credence behind it and a little bit of research that I was able to do. But as far as time travel, I think then they're, you know, again, it's science fiction, as you said, so... Right. Well, and this is also the thirty-three thing is the uh, the lunar cycle, right? Not the solar cycle. Again, when we take that into account, it's based on the moon. That might have an impact as well on on this whole thing. Okay. Now you were alluding to the opening segment with all the split screens, and one of the takeaways I had is that nobody seems to want to communicate with anybody. We've got the twenty-two unanswered calls from Hannah to Ulrich. Martha won't take Bartosh's call. But what struck me was Jonas holding that little red cord that he found on the bicycle. Does it look like a hangman's noose to you? I think it kind of does. Yes. And I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but. But, uh, yeah. Well, and certainly one of the questions, and, you know, not to jump ahead, and I'll just throw it out there for now, and we'll talk about it, I guess, when we get to it, is who is the stranger? So I guess I shouldn't even brought it up. Let's just table it for now and, and talk a little bit about Noah, who apparently is making his moves. Is he really a priest? Well, of course not. He's a time traveler. And I think in that scene with Bartosh later on, when they're playing that song in the background, something about the devil, and I guess are we supposed to think he's the devil? Well, maybe metaphorically. I don't. I don't think he's supposed to be the devil. Well, he you know is pretty diabolic. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, that's true, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But Charlotte tells Ellie, but yeah, but like, as, well, as far as like, is this going to become a like a, some kind of you know uh, religious allegory? No, I don't think that. I don't right. think they're going there. Well, and he certainly looks like uh, one of the characters in the uh, series Outcast, and that is a demonic possession series. But Charlotte tells Ellie about Yasin's disappearance, which bumps up the number of missing kids to three. And yeah. you know, we see that scene where she's really pressing her daughter to give a description of Noah's appearance and tells her that she'll send a sketch artist over. But again, I find it so fascinating that she's shouting at her deaf child. Now, yeah. granted, she's also using sign language when we see Peter cowering in the background. But I'm wondering whether she's being too hard on her daughter, and certainly Peter brings it up to her because the poor little kid's in tears, not only at the news that Yasin's missing, but the way her mother's confronting her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, Charlotte is, uh, you know, who up to this point was probably one of the characters that we kind of sympathize with or like the most. Uh, but this where, you know, we see that obviously she is extremely dedicated to her job. We saw even as a kid, she was, had this compulsion to solve mysteries and to, you know, to work out problems. And she is extremely frustrated, right, by all these missing kids that um, she can't figure out why they've gone missing. Yeah. So, so, but then saying, does that excuse her yelling at her kid and getting in her kid's face? Um, Well, no, but she's just kind of, I, I think she's just, you know, frustrated and, um, you know, kind of obviously the emotion of Ellie having been missing for so long, just kind of is all boiling over a little bit for Charlotte. Well, right. And, she has the same problem that the parents of Broadchurch face, and that is, are my kids safe? And on the one hand, she's the police officer tasked with finding what's going on here, but she also has an obligation to the parents of this small town, and it just gets the better of her, I think. But once Peter confronts her about that, she turns the tables on him, and demands to know whether there's anything he wants to tell her and whether he has anything to do with the missing boys. And did you notice his response to that? Yeah, he tells her she's insane. Yeah, and doesn't say no. Yeah, right. Well, He does, right, exactly. He does not. Easy answer here, Peter, would just be, no, of course I didn't have anything to do with it. Um, The avoidance of the question and calling your wife insane – out of the, you know, like when you see the Terminator, uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, the first movie, and the the guy's like knocking on the door, and and he sees he's got like the three responses, and he chooses the F U a hole response. Um, so I just picture Peter kind of accessing his main drive and seeing a list of responses, and the you're insane would have been at the very bottom of that list, and for some reason that's the one he went with. Instead of the, no, I didn't have anything to do with it, which would probably have been a much better response. Right, because we almost... But he's ex- horrible. 
Well, we expect him to be saying, no, I didn't have anything to do with it while he's nodding his head yes <laughs> at, the, right. at the same time. Now, or do the, no, I didn't have anything to do with it, like the big wink or something, you know. Right. Like. Now, after trying unsuccessfully to reach Martha, Bartosh, I guess it's Eric's phone, which is next to the bag of weed yes. and, and drugs on the couch. And you wonder, well, where's mom all the time? But suddenly the yeah. phone rings. <laughs> it spreads my drugs out. Yeah, yeah right. let's see. It's okay. No one's going to come in my room. So he answers the phone. Hello, Bartosh. My name is Noah. And of course, you wonder how Noah got that number. But he claims to be as dressed as a priest, appears at the hospital to see Mickle and tells Mickle that Enos asked him to come. And they they talk about God and whether or not he created the universe. And I love, you know, Mickle's got that exact information at his fingertip about how many billion years ago the big bang happened tells him he doesn't believe in god and noah says well there's a plan for us all and i don't think he says god has a plan for us all i think he just says there's a plan for us all but still a pretty creepy scene at that point yeah absolutely well and so the whole priest thing obviously you know like I don't look too far, but I'm just saying it's like kind of like facile, you know, it seems. I hope there's some, you know, actual meaning for this, or they're just trying to make Noah seem even creepier by making him a priest. You know? Well, right. And, or or, or at least dressed as one. Well, and know? I think on the one hand, it allows him to move freely without people questioning him. Yeah, that's true. But it also makes him stick out, right? Well, Sure. Like, if you're trying to, like, just blend in, like, dressing up as a priest is, like, not the way to do it. Right. Now, he pulls up in that dark car in the middle of the night. Somebody else is driving and asks Bartosh to get in. And at this point, Noah has made contact with Ellie, Yasin, Mikkel, and Bartosh. And I was amazed at what a great sketch that Charlotte's artist was able to put together. Yeah, I did notice it was really good. Yeah, so Ellie apparently is very observant and able to articulate what it is she's seen. But, you know, then there's that song, Me and the Devil Walking Side by Side, that's playing as Bartosh gets out of Noah's car. And then we cut to the scene where we see the stranger walking out of the cave. But when is he walking into? Right, exactly. Right. and, And, you know, we've never could accuse Bartosh of being like a deep thinker here or anything. But, you know, three people, Bartosh, I don't know if you knew this, but three people have recently gone, three young people have recently gone missing in Winden. So it's maybe not the best idea to get into a car with this guy, especially since the last kid who met Noah was Yasin. We know Yasin met Noah, right? Because that's what he said, I'm Noah and everything. And then Yasin's disappeared. We're pretty sure Noah is the guy taking kids, but he doesn't take Bartosh. Right. Is he yeah, too old? He, well, of course, Eric, right, was, Eric? Old, Eric was Bartosh's age. Right, right. So, so you know, that's why Why does Bartosh let go? Yeah. Well, we'll see a scene later on that we're going to talk about in a few minutes that maybe will explain it. But yeah. uh, Enes tries to get a reticent Mickle to talk to her. And, and of course she naturally assumes he's got worried parents somewhere, which of course he does just oh, yeah. in the future. 33 and, years from now. Right. And, tell and, him everything and, that happened. 
And then the scene cuts to the stranger in that newspaper clipping we've seen, when, where is Mickle? But what catches our attention are the illustrations of what appear to be you know, something similar to the concept of a black hole, as well as one of a labyrinth, which we've certainly heard before. But then he packs up that device that he's got in his case and tells Regina he's going to leave for a few days. And of course, she's worried about losing the income from right. you know him but he says you, you no, can't no. leave you're my only guest <laughs> right and he leaves with the case and device but not before he asks her to see to it that this package is delivered to jonah well he doesn't say to jonas but we see that's who it's addressed to right. and he she needs to make sure it's delivered today and Everybody's looking askance at each other, so yeah, uh, I'm not sure what she's thinking. But l- like you said, he's apparently her only guest, so she's gonna yeah, make and it he's, happen. He's an unsettling person, you know. Oh, like he looks weird. He's like he's he's all face is all beaten up. He's wearing this same goofy jacket. Well, it's not goofy. It's actually kind of cool. Um, but he's, you know, kind of dresses always with the same and with the hood pulled up and all this stuff. Like, right. he's kind of a pretty kind of creepy looking guy. So, uh, you know, we understand the Regina being a little, you know, feeling a little awkward. Well, you know, and, and one of the other interesting things when we first met him and he takes the room with Regina, one of the first things he does is take a shower. And yes. I think it seems pretty clear he probably is from a future time and you know he he, i i think he looks just as grubby now as he did when he came in Uh, so i'm not sure how he probably smells better but yeah he looks pretty much the same right but but again i thought that was interesting that that's something he did now we do see jonas sitting on that bench overlooking his father's grave and the stranger sits down and and the first thing he tells him is that you look like him your father and Jonas clearly doesn't recognize him. And I think one of the things that we've talked about is, is the stranger Michael, his father? And and one of the things that occurred to me was, and, and you know, I know you've noticed it now, is the, the scars on his neck that appear yeah. to have come from somebody that hung himself. So this hang. is not Michael, but it is somebody that apparently tried to hang himself or Right, right? Uh, or, or was lynched, yeah, or was lynched. That that's a good point. The, the other possibility, uh, but yeah, that you know, that's that was that was a really huge catch on on your part, Dave, because I didn't notice that. But that is that that is massive. That um, that mark on his neck, because it definitely um, you know ties him in with Michael. I don't think this is Michael because why would he tell you know have this confessional note where he tells how Michael is Michael and not when he's standing right next to Joe say hey besides he doesn't look anything like Michael well right and he tells you know? him that he knew his father well a long time ago and 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 the phrase that you've already mentioned he saved my life back then only I didn't understand it until later and and, and I don't remember what happens at the end of the series. But I, I mean, certainly at this point we have to consider is the stranger Jonas. Yeah. And well, he, then- because you're right. Cause he, he does have like, he's not stalking the other kids. 
Like he is just really, I mean, he's, we've seen him watching Jonas. We've seen him timing Jonas. We've now, he now directly, you know, comes up to Jonas and he leaves him a box of stuff, including Michael's suicide note. So, I mean, clearly there, there is a link that is absolutely between the stranger and Jonas. We don't see the stranger paying attention to really anyone else in Wyndon at all. Ask yourself each day if you've made the right decisions, and then he walks away. To get back to the scars on the neck, obviously this is somebody that seems to have been hanged at some point, which if it's Jonas and if it's not that somebody else did it to him, what led Jonas to hang himself? If in fact, that's what we're getting at. Then it makes me think, ask yourself each day if you've made the right decisions. Maybe don't make the decision that your father made. Right. Right. Which was to check out. And again, we don't know why Michael hangs himself, but still. Yeah. I I mean, there's just, you know, like, you know, like, like your Fred's feedback, right? He's got like a whole page of questions. It's like, there are so many questions. Like we get, and and that's actually, to my mind, the, the sign of a awesome uh, genre show. Sure. Is that, you know, they strike that line between answering and revealing questions to, I'm sorry, to, to, to revealing the answers or answering questions. And then at the same moment, creating a whole page full of new questions. Right. And, yeah. and, and this show is just like, so yeah, okay, we see who Noah is. Check. We now find out that Mickle is actually Michael. Check. Huge reveals, both of those. To a lesser show, that would be the end of the series, right? Mystery sure. solved. Let's go home. But uh, from there, Dark goes even like darker. And now it's like, well, now we've got you know, these these new reveals. Of, it's, yes, they're, they're great. They answer some questions. But now it's just like a whole new series of questions from both of those reveals. Like, who is Noah? What is Noah? What's his deal? Where is he from? What's he doing? Uh, why did Mick, Michael kill himself? We, we were asking that before, but now it's like, what does that have to do? Now knowing that Michael and Mickle were the same person, what's the relationship between his suicide and Mickle's disappearance as they came pretty close to one? Now? And just boom, just totally mind blown, tons of questions. Yeah. Now, do you have any thoughts on the monologue that Martha is giving on stage? Because I tried to look it up and, and everything came back to the episode of Dark. Right. Uh, I think when she was speaking, I it was like kind of listening to see if I, I recognized it and I didn't. So I was like really busy taking notes in the previous scene during that. So I don't really think I was paying super close attention to uh, her speech. Well, I mean, just to pick out a couple of lines, because it is rather long. I mean, it opens. She says, my mother told me about the old world before the flood she said it had been of a different kind foul and of course we immediately conjure up the biblical flood uh, uh noah building the ark and you know or it whether, could be maryland this summer well it could be 
she said, all is forgiven, but nothing forgotten. And again, without going through it, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that I guess we really could parse about it. And, and certainly this would be something that, uh, you know, you guys out there, if you have any thoughts on the relevance of this monologue, and it appears to have been a dress rehearsal because people in the audience are kind of walking around, but it, it's certainly notable that Jonas is sitting in the audience, goes to her dressing room afterwards to tell her the truth about where he'd been and and really a heartfelt question had my father not killed himself would we still be together and it turns out i guess the answer is well maybe cuz she starts kissing him and, and and of course then the camera goes to the solitary bartosh waiting for eric's dealer who of course turns out to be noah but yeah so this uh, i was going to you mentioned stuff in Fred's feedback, but you know, Michael must have been around when this relationship was kind of just starting. Did he not like think to say, "All right, uh, Jonas, listen, um, you you absolutely cannot date Martha." Right. Sorry, you just you, you can't. Uh, it might sound like I'm being unreasonable. But uh, you just you just can't. Just trust me, you can't. But also then, not that Michael killed himself to prevent Jonas from getting with Martha. But you know, is that is that part of it though? You know, well, it certainly didn't have any impact because I mean, it temporarily did. But right, right. It it appears they're back, possibly. Yeah, but which they, they really. I mean, what does he do now? Like now that he's read the note, he's, you know, he's, he's must have done the math, right? Sure. He's like, so if Mikkel is my, well, of course, you know, like that, that supposes that time travel. I mean, obviously, probably I imagine Jonas's first reaction is this this is completely bonkers. My dad was insane and that's why he killed himself. So I imagine that would be the first choice, but, uh, you know, he, just as a precaution, though, he should probably like not pursue his relationship with Martha any further, at least for now. Well, if he's, again, thinking clearly and, you know, let's go ahead and talk about the package because we see him returning home and opens it up. And there's this white globe that even in yeah. 2019 has a futuristic feel to it. And it's some sort of flashlight of sorts or so it seems. But then there's an older civil defense, I guess it's a Geiger counter to determine radiation levels. Yeah, that's definitely a Geiger counter, yep. Uh, and then, of course, the well-worn envelope with the do not open label. And in the letter, it claims that things cannot be changed. It will always find its way back to the surface, turn a lie into our own truth in order to survive, which... Obviously, can mean a lot of different things, but this is somebody that obviously has the benefit of having already lived through or having knowledge of things that are still going to happen. Right, which you think he'd be a little bit clearer and precise about, you know? Right. Like, and, and, but I guess if you can't change it, then who cares? Yeah, you'll need to know. There's nothing's going to change it anyway, so don't worry. Right. And, and when he and, says. Have fun with your aunt. The boy from the future stayed. On the one hand, as you said, why would Jonas believe such a fantastic story? On the other hand, 
everybody in Winden recognizes that weird stuff happens here. Sure. And he does have that map of the caves, which he's already begun to use. So, well, and, and then the last part of this episode, I'm just calling it, what the hell's wrong with Hannah? Um, she is a super stalker and has been since she was a kid, apparently. I mean, and it's I, probably I, because her hippie dad was doing acid when he impregnated her, her mom. Well, I always go back to Sherlock's description of himself, and certainly not to put her on Sherlock's level in in most ways, but a high-functioning sociopath. Yeah, yeah, that that is actually probably a good description of her, it would seem. But we see that uncomfortable scene when adult Hannah brings Katerina casserole, figuring she wouldn't want to cook. Clearly, it's an excuse to, I guess, catch a glimpse of Ulrich, which of course she does. But even Martha who answers the door with her mom seems to know there's something about Hannah's appearance. That's a bit off. And we're wondering, they just think she's a bit off. Yeah. Yeah. Like it could be like when, like they just, Hannah's kind of like the town weirdo. And you know, now, now could Ulrich look any more guilty when he comes into the room? Uh, not at all. (laughs) Not possible. Then, he looked as guilty as guilty can look. And, and then Hannah asks for a ride because it's raining, of course. And at first, it it just didn't occur to me why Katerina hugs her. But on the second watch, it's pretty darn obvious she's trying to associate smells. So whether yeah. from Ulrich's hoodie that time or whatever but she certainly seems to know something's going on and i'm wondering as kids did she know that hannah had a crush on ulrich i mean we don't know at this point but but certainly i wonder about that yeah well yeah we had said how it and and that we see that again um in this how they like i don't think she's really even on katarina's radar I mean, she is a little bit. We saw her kind of hanging out, but she's just a little kid, right? So for Katarina's perspective, she's wouldn't even notice, even if she did, which kind of is how it's playing out in 2019 as well, where she didn't even notice what was probably extremely clear to everyone else. And it's probably because for all of their lives um, – Hannah has been beneath Katarina's contempt. She's just a little kid. I don't even, she, she means nothing to me. But, uh, you know, from the other perspective, from Hannah's perspective, it's much, much different. Well, yeah. And then, you know, she and Ulrich are sitting in the car and outside her house and it's raining heavily. And it, again, I've mentioned this before, does no one in Wyndon own an umbrella? Apparently yeah. not. She tells him, don't think I'm just going to let you go, which, uh, you know, we'll see the scene in 1986 where she really takes the same tact. And you wonder, doesn't he know, isn't he aware of the truth behind his arrest as a 17 or 18 year old? I mean, I I would tend to say he he didn't know. You know, I asked that same question in my notes, but. You know, why would you end up 
Well, I mean, I guess 33 years can make a big difference, but, but still you'd think the kid that lied to get and sent you to prison or at least to jail, it's not someone you would really want to associate with ever for the rest of your life. Well, right. You know? and, and this Let is alone a, sleep with. Well, no right. matter how this good is a relationship you. that has really gone from, you know, this, this almost childlike exuberance when we see him at the beginning climbing out her window after, you know, a night of sex to now where he's telling her to just get out. I don't want to ever see you again. Don't talk to me. Don't come to my house. And is this a result of what happened with Mickle? I mean, is Mickle's disappearance a catalyst? I mean, is the guilt now getting to him? We don't know. And on the one hand, I can't decide whether I think he's being cruel to her. But given what we know about her, she gets what she deserves. Well, yes and no. And so at this point, I'm going to say, like, the um, the strong, overt, I would say, connections between this episode and the movie Fatal Attraction. Um, you remember oh, that absolutely. one? Did you ever see that one? Yeah. So there are, like, a lot of parallels and, like, the whole – um, especially the, the the her in the rain. Uh, I believe there's a scene where Glenn Close comes to the house. It's been raining. She's wet and everything. Um, and there's definitely the scene where she confronts or comes to the house and meets his wife and everything. So there's a lot of parallels here. So so is he being cruel? Well, y- yes and no. Right. He's tried to tell her to back off and she's not backing off. She's showing up at his house. She, he's trying to, you know, I guess he's just like, right now I just kind of don't want to deal. I like, I'm, I'm freaking out about my son. That is consuming my life. I probably feel guilty a little bit. Like not that his affair with Hannah had anything to do. I mean, it might've had something to do with Mickle's disappearance. We have no idea why Mickle disappeared in the first place. But, you know, if, when something like that happens, you can't help but blame yourself and think of, well, what am I doing that's wrong? Did this have anything to do with it? Is this, Am I being punished? Is there some kind of metaphysical way I'm being punished for the, the sins that I'm committing or whatever? Um, there's all kinds of things that have to be going on. But basically, the last thing he wants to do right now is to be continuing an affair with Hannah, but she won't let it rest. And so he realized, like, he just finally has to say, and again, Ulrich is also not necessarily a deep thinker. He's a very reactive, very emotional. And so he just tells her to, to get out and to leave him alone, um, which is, again, you know, like that's, we know it's, you know, like if we go with the fatal traction comparison, it's, it's not going to work out well. You know, and we see that. We see her um, and she thinks back to her cutting out pictures of Ulrich and posting it in her scrapbook. I mean, this is this is going to go very badly for Ulrich, and he, I don't think he really thought it through. I don't know what else he could do, though, because Hannah won't be put off, uh, but it's definitely going to have consequences. Well, for right, him. and she flashes back to 1986 when they're walking down the hall in the school talking about a film, and she asks if he wants to see it again with her, which doesn't necessarily imply that the two of them saw it together the first time, just that he's already seen it, and 
when he sees Katerina with her friends, he ditches Hannah and immediately goes and holds hands with his girlfriend. Now, I mean, you and I have worked in high schools for a long time and the age difference here, you know, not that we don't see seniors that are friends with freshmen. Of course we do. And maybe they would be a little bit nicer when they say, uh, Hey, I'll I'll check you later. I'm going to go down here. And he just like ditches her immediately. But still we see that she looks hurt and understandable pissed. Okay. Maybe understandable as well. She's probably only a freshman, but we cut right back to 2019 Hannah, who looks exactly the same. And, um, you know, and, and, uh, then we see that scene where she and teenage Ulrich are sitting on the bench and we think she's just told him she's pregnant, but it appears she's told him that she wants to lose her virginity. And I love right. that line, you know, I just soon it be with you. And I'm thinking like, well, isn't he your boyfriend? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, you know, Katerina, we, she is, um, you know, someone who is in kind of in control, right? I mean, she's the principal of the school. She likes being the boss. She likes being in control. And so this is kind of like a thing where like, uh, her decision to have sex is not one of passion or emotion. It's just like, you know, it's got to be done sometime. What the heck? You're my boyfriend now. Might well, as well. Let's be you. honest. He's right? a 17 year old boy whose girlfriend just said she wants to have sex with him. He, yeah. he I, don't, I don't care the words. I'll get the condoms. He heard nothing exactly. after that. When she said that, he didn't hear a single word she said. Well, obviously, he didn't hear a word she said because the words she said were, no kids. No, well, that never. didn't work out. <laughs> Three kids later. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like that, she was adamant, I don't want to have kids, like ever. Like she says, ever. Like not just like, I don't want to get pregnant right now. I don't want to ever have kids. And like I said- that didn't work out. And just like Ulrich, Ulrich's main desire was to leave Winden. He wanted to get out. That didn't work out. So, you know, these these kids have these desires and a lot of them have these desires to get the heck out of Winden or to make their lives different than their parents or not get trapped in this place. But yet, that's exactly what happened to all of them. Yep. All right. And then we see the scene where Hannah's father goes to the hospital as part of his dry cleaning job. We don't know whether it's his business or he just works there. It's not important, but you know, she's planning to wait in the van for him, but she sees Mickle sitting on a bench, opening a present and she walks over and it's that book that Ines gives to him. I am not afraid. And it's like two lost souls sitting there. Yeah, absolutely. And in the opening montage, uh, we see, the older Ines looking at that book. I'm pretty sure it's the older one. Right. Yep. So, she, you know, she still has the book 33 years later. Um, but so that's, yeah, definitely um, a uh, important uh, piece of information there. But yeah, absolutely. Two two lost souls um, connecting here. Yep. And-, and, and this is where the first, I remember the first time I saw it, this is when she sits down next to him and they're making this connection. I'm like, Wait, uh, you know, I start doing the math in my head, and I'm like, you know what? You know what? Yep. It's possible. It, you know, this, and then, and, but, you know, that's the great thing about Dark. They don't leave it till like 
an episode or two later before like the minute you start suspecting that boom at the end of the episode they tell you yep you're right Michael and michael are the same person right so apparently he's able to rebound from her question about whether or not he thinks she's pretty and of course he doesn't answer and and she's like <laughs> okay i guess not uh but then you know she starts talking about magic he does that trick you're cool no i'm mickle i'm from the yeah. future I'm like okay but he doesn't really have a lot of game when it comes to girls at this point, but he's only 11. So he really doesn't need to have game. I mean, he's still a, you know, little kid basically. Right. But, uh, Hannah overhears Katerina and Ulrich in this empty room. And at first I thought maybe it was the same room in which Magnus and Francesca had sex, but I'm pretty sure it's not. That was a locker room. This seems to be some sort of a storage area or whatever, but, Hannah overhears them, peers in the window as they're undressing and kissing. And of course, this leads to the big lie and and that scene when she's asking her father, well, what should I do if I see something that's not right? And and she lies and basically says that Ulrich raped Katerina. And, you know, we see her telling her story to Tideman and then we cut to Ulrich being let out in handcuffs. And I'm thinking, all right, first of all, did no one think to go ask Katerina if this was true? Right. Well, I, I absolutely thought that as well. But then we also know that Titleman has just got such a you know hard on for Ulrich that um, you know I and we know he's not a good police officer, so you know he probably very likely just without even talking to Katerina ran out and arrested Ulrich right away. Well, right, and now does. 2019 hannah planned to do something similar to ulrich at this point uh, i would chances are exceptionally good that yes okay but she is going to get some kind of revenge but why does 1986 katarina have a black eye right fred brought that up yeah. um and i mean i guess we can talk about it when we uh look at fred's feedback so we'll hold off on that uh, now, just a couple of odds and ends, and, and you were you were mentioning about you know why Bartosh would uh, you know do what he's doing, uh, you know why would he make the decision to you know go meet Jonas and all that? Well, we see Bartosh and Jonas toking up and playing a video game, and I guess the takeaway is twofold. First, he laments Martha not calling him back, and second, tells him he's going to meet Eric's dealer that night and wants Jonas to come with him. And I'm thinking like. Really? It's like yeah. you stole dude's <laughs> girlfriend. You're right. asking him for basically for advice. I'm like, yes. What? <laughs> yeah. And then you want him to be your wingman for to for some potential dangerous drug deal when kids are going. Yeah. Uh, Bartosh doesn't see a lot outside of his own little bubble. You know, like he just he literally does not get that Jonas is upset and pissed about the Martha thing. Right. I mean, he seems to be the prototypical spoiled child. Absolutely. I was about to say that a a child of, of wealth and privilege who just is, you know, gets to do whatever he wants to do and doesn't see that there are consequences of anything he does. And right now, the other thing we learn is that Enes apparently had a son that died shortly after birth. And and at this point, we don't really know how it ties in other than her connection 
that's developing with Mickle. And then uh, lastly, that scene when Ulrich finds Katerina lying on Mickle's bed, lies down next to her, and she just asks him point blank if he's cheating. I would never do that. And I'm thinking like, well, isn't this episode called Truth? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> Except for when Ulrich talks. Yeah. Well, you know, you give it to Ulrich for at least like giving an answer, like unlike Peter who just froze up and called his wife insane. I mean, he at least he didn't tell Katarina she's insane. But of course, she's not insane. She's right. I mean, and she, like when Hannah shows up in the rain with a casserole, like really? And then she's like, oh, I brought a bike. Hey, Ulrich, could you give me a ride home? Like, like the bells are definitely, I mean, she was already suspicious of Ulrich. And now I'm pretty sure that she's feeling that it might be Hannah is the one who he's, uh, he's cheating with. Because this is like a really unusual thing here. And, and Ulrich is acting like super weird when Hannah's there. But he, you know, he does what any red-blooded male would do and lies i I feel kind of two ways about that like on the on the one hand you you don't really blame i mean he obviously we blame him for having an affair and but you know when asked this question like probably 99 percent of the people who are asked that question are going to lie and say no i'm not cheating but also it's an opportunity for him to tell the truth Right. Like she's given them a chance and you have a feeling that, I mean, obviously things are really bad right now and that would make things even worse. But, you know, he has that opportunity to tell the truth and he didn't, which is going to leave him vulnerable now, especially with Glenn Close. I mean, Hannah, um, you know, obviously we would think plotting some kind of revenge scheme again. Right. Well, and it's not that different from Charlotte confronting Peter about whether or not he has anything to do with the missing children and his response, you're crazy. Yeah. So awesome closing scene. The stranger walks into the shop of the man who made the device. He's working on a watch when the stranger tells him, I'd like to talk to you about time. And it just, just what a great, I mean, it's not a very long scene, but it's just just really great so yeah all right well Well, again just more questions right right so now speaking of questions you already mentioned fred's feedback so why don't we take a listen to what fred sent in this week before we do can i just say one thing before because there's also towards the end there um just like how the the opens up with the split screen um it was i i really liked how they did because they went from hold on where was uh so they start with Hannah, uh, now the Hannah, nineteen eighty six, and then it uh, the older Hannah cuts out, and now we see young Hannah and Ulrich, uh, young Ulrich, I believe, and then Ulrich and Katerina, and then you know twenty nineteen Ulrich and Katerina. Oh, so I'm sorry for no, see Ulrich, young Ulrich and Katerina, then young Katerina and. 2019 Katerina and then 2019 Katerina and 2019 Ulrich. So you know, they changed the one panel and they moved from one to the next, showing this like this chain, right? This these these interrelationships between all these characters. I just thought that was very cleverly done. So I like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the editing has been really strong. And and, and again, it was said last time, sometimes it, things happen a little too quickly. But yeah, as you said, that was that was pretty, pretty good. All right. Well, let's listen to Fred and then we'll talk about some things. Hi, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Dark Season 1, Episode 5, called Truth, or in German, Wahrheiten. First off, I made a little mistake last podcast. Fortunately, the both of you disregarded my remark fully. I said, and what is this with the railroad track under which uh, she hides the money? So that was Francesca. Um, if you look at it from Magnus' position, you see at the right side of the track that it disappears under a lot of leaves. And just a little further, the track is pointed towards a solid rock. Well, that solid rock was not true. Um, but if you make a still of it, uh, so a screenshot, you get the impression the track goes under a solid rock. Um, but actually, it's just the arch of a, of a bridge that's over the track. So, no solid rock, Fred. I also posted it on uh, on the Facebook page and uh, and explained my little mistake. Okay, about this episode, I want to start with a compliment to the makers of Dark for their eye for detail. If you look at the three posters about the missing Eric, Mikkel and now Yesin, um, uh, pinned to the fence, uh, you really can see that Eric's poster is hanging there the longest and Yesin's is just brand new. After seeing Yesin's poster, I realized that his last name is Friese, which is, by the way, also the last name of Jantje Friese, one of the two writers of Dark. In one of the next scenes, we, seen, we see Charlotte talking to Elizabeth about her encounter with Noah. The way Charlotte is actually interrogating her daughter is awful, like a police officer is interrogating a criminal. Peter justly makes a remark about it. Um, quote, what was that? You don't talk to your eight-year-old daughter that way. Um, I also listened to the English dubbed version of this scene. Well, I can assure you that the German version even sounds more harsh. Um, of course, in general, German is a language with more, with more force than English. But still, poor Elizabeth. It is a very awkward situation uh, when Katerina is hugging Hannah with Ulrich in the background. I really wonder if Katerina knows that Hannah is the one uh, Ulrich is cheating her uh, on her with. I really wonder if Hannah is going to take revenge on Ulrich because he left her, like she did in 1986 when Ulrich was sleeping with Katerina for the first time. I don't understand, by the way, why Katerina has a blue eye in 1986, when Ulrich and she are going to have sex. Uh, this this uh, didn't look like a, a violent thing. Ulrich even was a kind of gentle and considerate, and asking her on beforehand if she really wants it. Or did somebody else do this to Katerina? Her father? That we don't know. Perhaps when he found out uh, what she did with Ulrich? Um, so, where did Katerina get this blue eye? I really don't have the impression Ulrich did it. Another point. Did you notice when Bartois is getting out of Noah's car, the music lyrics are 
me and the devil walking side by side at a point i'm very happy uh, as it seems that marta and jonas are together again i didn't like that thing she was having with bartos at all we also see bartos home situation where they are playing this uh, the shooting game uh, yeah, his father is probably all the time in a nuclear plant and his mother is in Wyndon's uh, forest hotel. So he's probably quite on his own. When Jonas reads the letter of his father, it must be a very strange feeling that the younger brother of his teenage girlfriend is his father. Once again, that the younger brother of his teenage girlfriend is his father. Well, of course there are, as we can expect from Dark in the meanwhile, a lot of open ends and questions again in this episode. 1. Who and what is Noah? A priest? The devil? Is he time consistent, looking the same in 1986 as in 2019? 2. What is the thing with Charlotte's watch? Does this has anything to do with the watchmaker? 3. To what time did the stranger travel to meet the watchmaker? The past or the future? 4. Who is that stranger anyhow? 5. Why does Regina look so extraordinarily worried when the stranger asks her something at the front desk of uh, her hotel? Why did Michael kill himself in 2019 as Michael? Is this because Mikkel would get lost and travels back in time uh, very soon? And what would have happened when Michael wouldn't have, ha have killed himself? Would there have been then three copies of himself? It seems that it's not impossible to have two copies of a person in the same time, since Michael lived in the same time period as Mikkel for quite some years. 7. What does Hannah know about, about all this? In 1986, Michael tells her that he is from the future. Does she believe this? Or does she, during their marriage, find out that this thing is really true? It must be strange for Hannah having sex with Ulrich, but also with his son. And Katharina is in that sense actually her mother-in-law. Does Hannah actually know all this? 9. Is the reason why Ines is torn from the family picture in Hannah's house, um, is, that, is, is the reason for that that she is not Michael's mother at all? Or are there other reasons? 10. Why didn't uh, we didn't learn anything what Peter was doing the night Michael disappeared? He does not answer his wife's question. 11. Where does Francesca get her money from? Does Noah has to do something with that? His encounter with Bartois could suggest that. 12. And 13 and 14 and 15. Many other questions. Okay, I want to close up with the best line of the episode. Um, young Hannah to Mikkel. You're cool. No, I'm Mikkel. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right, now, Fred mentions the attention to detail by the director or the showrunner, missing posters, and the degrees of wear that each has. And, and not surprising, but the detail that I noticed right away, and, and I don't know if you noticed it or not, but the fact that we're around teenagers all the time. Did you notice Jonas's phone? I didn't. 
the screen is cracked like crazy. Uh. And, and you know, in, in our world, I mean, every other kid has a cracked screen. Yeah. And I'm sure the parents are like, hey, I'm not buying you a new, new right. phone. <laughs> so. And I thought, you know, I mean, to me, that's attention to detail because that's a real teenager whose mother probably couldn't afford to buy him a new phone anyway. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. As... Uh, a father of three teenagers, I can attest that the cracked screen is a thing and it remains a thing for exactly what you said. Like, I am not going to buy you another phone. Uh, if you want to go to the Apple store and take your own money and pay for a new screen, by all means, but uh, I'm not getting you a new one. So just deal with it. Yep. Now, we talked about whether or not uh, Charlotte was harsh with Ellie, and I think we all agree that. Uh, you know, she was, but we understand it. Uh, and then you mentioned Fred bringing up the black eye. And and I think, Fred, you're right that her father somehow found out and, and probably did it to her. Because it, it doesn't seem like anything we've seen out of Ulrich that, that he would have done. Right. So, yeah, very. Uh, well, and, and Fred points out that they were, he was gentle with her, right? It was, you know, yeah. he, he wasn't strangling her or doing any crazy kinky stuff you know just uh two teenagers getting it on you know no no big deal here uh no sense of violence so the black eye yeah i would but then also according to the story at least she was raped so why would her dad punch her if she was raped you know well you wonder whether he put two and two together and figured out somehow that she had sex before they came to arrest Ulrich. I, I, we don't know, but we don't know. But it's right. but it's a it's a cool detail. Not not cool. Like bl- black eyes, women yeah. being punched is not cool at all. I'm right, not. Right, right. So it, it it is a, a detail that again uh, brings up more questions, right? Right. And as you know, we said at the start of Fred's feedback here that this show doesn't just throw things in there at random. Right, every you, you get a really strong feeling for this, this show, especially that every thing in in every shot is put in a place very purposefully, very carefully. You know that there's nothing that's randomly placed, nothing that's not there for a reason. So there is a strong reason for the black eye, but like I said, probably most likely. Her dad did it, but we don't know. But we also know that there's a reason for it. And will we find that out? I don't know. Yeah. Now, he brings up the idea that Peter may not be driving his own car in that uh, CCTV footage. And he points out about the low frontal hairline of the driver. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I think you can tell enough. I, I'm just going to go with the fact that it it is Peter in the picture. I mean, he doesn't deny it. So, right. Um, but Fred brings up a lot of questions, some of which we've, we've talked about who and what is Noah priest, the devil. I think all we can say at this point is he's a time traveler. Uh, I, I'm not going with the devil idea unless we're just saying metaphorically. Right. Um, but he brings up the thing with Charlotte's watch and whether or not it has anything to do with the watchmaker. I guess at this point I would think yes, but beyond yeah. that. Exactly. Right. But, you know, certainly we can't ignore that 
this is a watchmaker the stranger goes to and that Charlotte has this mysterious watch. And so clearly, well, not clearly, but we are with a strong degree of certainty um, that the two are related. Right. Now, he asks, to what time did the stranger travel to meet the watchmaker, past or present? I think it's the past. It looks like the past. Yeah. Right. And Because, I, like, are there watchmakers really around nowadays? Kids don't even, well, not kids, but people in general don't wa- wear watches so much anymore, so... Well, right, yeah. and and we've seen the device already, and it certainly doesn't have a futuristic feel to it, as we said at the time. You know, it, it certainly has more of a nineteenth-century steampunk feel to it. Sure. Than, uh, you know. So, uh, who is the stranger? Uh, I, I, at this point, I'm I'm kind of feeling Jonas, but uh, again, we'll we'll see. You know, it brings up. Regina looking worried when the stranger asks her something at the front desk of the hotel. I, you know, I, I didn't really see anything out of that scene that, that I think is that important other than the fact that he's asking her to deliver that package. Well, that's you know also kind of like her resting face too. I think a little bit also, as we said before, the stranger is, you know, he, he weirds people out. He weirded out Jonas I'm sure he weirds out Regina big time, so I, I get why she would be uncomfortable around him. Right. Now, the next question is perhaps the most complex that Fred asks. Why did Mikkel Michael kill himself in 2019? And I, I, we don't know. I, I think my best guess at this point is more of an emotional, unable to handle what actually has happened even though none of it would be considered his fault but uh, what would have happened he asks if he hadn't have killed himself would there have been three copies of himself and certainly we know it's possible to have two copies of the same person at the same time though at different ages gosh could there be three you know i I certainly don't consider myself a time travel expert. This is one we need Michael R. to answer. Right. Well, and that's also the thing of time travel shows is each one, because, again, let me remind everyone that time travel is not an actual thing. Um, you know, you can make up your own rules, right? In each show, and you and Michael talked about that with Continuum a lot, how the the show has to establish what are the rules of time travel. And just because in other shows, there's this kind of like, oh, you can't exist in the same place as as yourself and you'll cause a rift in the space-time continuum or whatever. Um, but in here at Dark, it seems okay, fine, right? You know, it's no, no biggie. Uh, and, and certainly in this small town, Michael and Mikkel must have seen each other slash interacted at some point so well right um, and that and that kind of leads into fred's next couple questions about what hannah remembers and what she knows about mickel and where he came from and whether she believes that he's from the future and all of that and uh you know as he says it must be strange for hannah to have sex with ulrich but also with his son but I don't know. There's there's no evidence really that she's made those connections, and, and and I don't know. No, Hannah is is clueless. I, I would say I'm, I'm going to pass judgment on her. She is clueless. Uh, Mickle slash Michael did tell her 
when he first met her, he's from the future. So, um, obviously she thinks he's just, you know, messing about like little kids do and everything. Um, I, I would say that Hannah definitely does not have any clue about any of this. Now, Inez, on the other hand, she seems to be clued in. She seems to be the one who does know all this stuff and everything that's going on. Um, but Hannah is her, her motivation seems to be more base, you know, like she's motivated by, you know, sex, desire and revenge. It seems like we, we see as her main motivating thing. She's definitely, we haven't really seen a lot of redeeming characteristics for her so far at this point. Uh, but, um, and, you know, just see someone who is, you know, very emotional, uh, very impulsive and, you know, apparently very vengeful as well. And then, you know, finally he brings up Francesca and the source of her money and whether or not Noah has anything to do with it. And, I'm going to just say no. I think we said at the time she's probably dealing some drugs on her own, and uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with that as the source of her money. Well, you know, and the, the, if there's one thing that is absolutely true about Wyndon is that all these families are exceptionally effed up. Yes, like, they are. All of them. So if we found out that Francesca was like – prostituting yourself or selling drugs or was a hired hitman. I don't think any of those would surprise us in the least. All these families, like everyone, every single family is just completely messed up. A huge train wreck of people. I get why Ulrich wanted to leave. I don't understand why he didn't. Well, uh, do you want to leave it there? You got anything else? All right. Let me, let me check real quick. You know, I, I think, uh, I think that pretty much, you know, it's just, there's, there's so much, and it's not like a lot of action going on. Like the last two episodes have been really like very little action at all. Uh, but there's so much going on and really, especially the emotional life of this town and this, you know, as broad church is a good comparison here, like where you have a town that seems like, a everyday nice friendly good old small town when really underneath it's just you know uh, uh, just a hotbed of depravity definitely got that going so yeah i think i think we're uh, i think we're good all right well let's go ahead and leave it there for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch we want to thank you for joining us love to hear what you think about dark any of these theories uh certainly that we bring up that fred has brought up uh, anything else in genre television encourage you to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community if you're already a member spread the word emails as we said go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails can go via the speak pipe tab which you can get through the website and we'll be back next week to talk about season one episode six of dark titled sick mundus creatus est but until then you know, it's, it's really it's really funny because I was like uh, just cleaning up uh, the basement and I found one of my old report cards and I just saw the teacher's comment there. Uh, he's an unusual boy, very sensitive.